Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to the virtual forum this evening. This is a pre-recorded broadcast. Hope you guys ex uh, were excited about listening to Be the Bank last week. That was an introduction into some of the principles that banks follow and ways in which you can replicate those in your personal life. Today, we're going to go even deeper, so get ready. Again, the rabbit hole, just like Alice in Wonderland, really not an end of the rabbit hole. So we're going to continue to dive deeper and deeper and deeper until you really get it. So if this is your first time listening to the virtual forum, the investor's paradigm is dedicated to truth and principle in regards to finances, which is helping all individuals accomplish financial freedom within a reasonable period of time. Our history and background is mostly in real estate and mortgages and uh, also investments and educating individuals on how to implement uh, and apply certain principles and also strategies to their life. We've seen countless families accomplish financial freedom in a very short period of time. I'm, uh, I'm here this uh, this beautiful afternoon in Salt Lake City, Utah with Case and Joseph. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> and uh, and we're very excited to be presenting some uh, very important and profound information today. But uh, again, for those of you who uh, who have uh, are just listening for the first time, we do have uh, previous broadcasts, both in podcast format, and you can also log on to a website, uh, which is my personal website. It's www.patrickh. Donahoe. That's D-O-N-O-H-O-E dot com. And on the right side, there are some past forum broadcasts. Over the past uh, about year and a half, we'd ha we've had authors, uh, real estate investors, uh, and countless other individuals that have spoken to us, uh, professional athletes among the few, and uh, and really expressed some, some ways in which they've discovered prosperity and success in their life. And I'm definitely Definitely, definitely sure that you can glean something off of that. Uh, but tonight, we're going to talk about a very touchy subject. This is, a, this is a subject that we've often discussed on our radio shows, which are also available in podcast format, um, most off the website that you're uh, accessing right now. Um, but it's it's something that uh, you know you can talk about time and time and time again, uh, and it's still going to kind of get the hairs on your shoulders to to come up. But um, but I really think it's a a subject that uh, understanding it will make the difference in your finances, and that is liability, and especially financial liability. So today we're going to talk about destructive liabilities and productive liabilities. So if, if you want to look at the word liability, Casey, how would you define liability to get kind of get started? A liability is anything that takes money out of your pocket. So it's something that you're you're responsible for. You're responsible for. Right. So if you uh, if you have a mortgage, you're responsible for paying the mortgage. You have a car loan, responsible for paying the car loan. You can also say a liability is your child. But your child can also be an asset, right? It depends on the day. Yeah, child, child could definitely take uh, a lot of money out of your pocket, and but also you know you're responsible for them to a degree, right? So t these day and ages, you, you go onto the the Millionaire Inside, which is a program on CNBC. You listen to Dave Ramsey on the radio. Uh, you li listen to Susie Orman uh, on CNBC as well, and uh, and you really look at their take on debt. Because liability is often confused with debt. So, Kason, why don't you kind of give a, a refresher course on what what debt really is? Okay. Well, obviously, if you know, we're going to go back to our accounting 101 class. Um, first off, with debt, you have on your balance sheet, you have assets and you have liabilities. Now, again, an asset is anything that is very productive and puts money into your pocket or a productive thing in your life, whereas a liability is something that is less productive and may extract money out of your pocket. And so when you look at your balance sheet and your liabilities are greater than your assets, 
then you are in a state of debt. Whereas if your assets are greater than your liabilities, then you are in a state that is called equity or positive net worth. Also, debt can also possibly mean negative net worth in a sense also. Okay, sweet, sweet definition, right? So basically, uh, you know, debt is negative. Uh, equity is positive, <laughs> right? <laughs> so what? Uh, so as we look at kind of this dogma of debt and the perceived um, perceived definition of debt and and kind of opinion of debt, what do people really think debt is in that regard? Well, they think it's something that's negative and that it's something that I need to get rid of. Okay. And it's just it's kind of got this evil halo around it. Yep. I mean, and and one of the things that I think is important to understand is is that. Realistically, debt is neither bad nor good. It's what you do with it, or liabilities in a sense. It's what is done with it that is going to determine whether it's good or bad. So we're gonna, we're going to talk about what determines that in a second, um, which is kind of the the whole education uh, and stewardship discussion. But um, but just kind of looking looking at debt, people people really confuse debt with liability. Even though there's a there's an asset associated with the liability, if you have a, a $500,000 home and a $200,000 liability, you're not in debt. You're in positive net worth because you have that $300,000 piece of equity. Now, equity is another conversation because equity is just a concept and a myth. Right. You can't refinance, and if you can't <laughs> sell your home, you really don't have any equity, <laughs> even though you might say you do. Um, but anyway, that's, that's a totally different discussion. But really looking at that confusion, you have to recognize that debt is not – Debt is not liability. Right. Okay. So let's kind of talk about the, the whole banking process, right? You look at last week, we kind of gave an intro into in the banking institutions and what they do and how they make money. We've also talked about the different areas of banking and when it comes to investments um, or different areas of investments when it comes to banking. Right. Ugh, I'm talking too fast, right? But look at where banks get money to invest. Where do banks get money to invest in the foreign exchange market? Where do banks get money to invest in mortgages? Where do banks get money to invest in car loans? It all comes from us. So the bank, in turn, is liable for paying us back. If we take a call on our note, which could be a you know very liquid checking account, the banks have to pay us back. If we take on a less liquid note, maybe a one-year CD, at the end of that year, the banks have to pay us back. That is a liability. So the banks are, in fact, are they really going in debt? Of course not. They're going into a position of liability to be able to take that money and put it into an asset. And if you look at that asset and the value of that asset versus the liability, that's a break-even point. So let's say that the bank takes $5,000 from me, puts it in a CD, and then uses that $5,000 to invest in a car loan. Right, that car loan is considered an asset for the bank, and the $5,000 CD is considered a liability. Right, so they they're break even. They're not in debt, and they're not in positive net worth either. They're actually in a position of cash flow because they're earning higher payments from the monthly car payment than they are with paying me interest on the CD. Isn't that interesting? Right, so basically we we come down to this point of all right, what determines productive debt? And what determines destructive debt? Because honestly, I mean, Casey, you have to look at our, our economy, and it's it's insane how much debt people are in right now. It's unbelievable. I mean, for the first time, I think it was about a year and a half ago, the Wall Street Journal printed an article stating that for the first time since the Great Depression, we're in a negative savings rate. That means that for the amount of money that we earn on a monthly basis, our expenses are greater than our income. And that's just unbelievable. And so... 
we've got this destructive pattern that's going on because, you know, obviously the media plays a huge role in it. Every single time we turn around, we're getting credit card applications, you know, mailers all day long, yeah, that, every day. That's the, that's the paradox. It's like <laughs> you, you turn on the TV and you listen to Dave Ramsey, live live within your wage or don't get on credit card. Blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, you, you look at that, but yeah, and then you go home and you're listening to the radio in your car and you're driving home, man, I need to get out of debt, man. And then you drive home, there's like five credit card offers in yep. the mail. <laughs> so it's like, you, you know, you look you look at it from that standpoint and I mean, there's a lot of temptation to spend. We're, we're in kind of a, a very luxurious age. We, we want to keep up with the Joneses. We want the new TVs. We want the new stereos. We want the new CDs. We want the new iPods. This, this, this is very, very materialistic. I'm not. We're not going to talk about materialism today because it could be good or it could be bad, just depending on what you use it for. Um, but it's really look at people overspending, right? People are overspending. They're living outside of their means. Now, typically, the the reaction to that, the solution to living outside your means, is to decrease your spending. But here at the Investor's Paradigm, I mean, we want you to live within your means, but we don't, we don't want you to be happy with your means. We want you to increase your means and still live within them, obviously. But that's incre- it's not necessarily focusing on paying off your debt. It's focusing on building your assets, which eventually will get you out of debt. And a lot of people, I know that there's a lot of people out there that have this question. They say, okay, you guys are talking about that we want you to increase your means and we want you to be prosperous. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that have debt. Well, one of the things that I know that Robert Kiyosaki talks about in in his books is that he talks about, okay, if I have the opportunity to, let's say I have $10,000 and I have the opportunity, I could either choose to pay that ten thousand dollars towards my debt or I could use it to invest what should I do well one of the things that he suggested and that I also this is my own personal belief is that if I can use that ten thousand dollars to provide some additional cash flow in my life it's better to take that ten thousand dollars invest it have it generate that cash flow and then use the cash flow to pay off the debts because now you're starting to change your mindset because that's where it kind of starts you know we have to break that paradox and that paradigm that we have of it's always about eliminating debt. And then once I've eliminated the debt, then, then I can invest. <laughs> and so we have to break that cycle. Yep. And that's one of the ways to do that. Yep. So de- so basically, we don't want you to take uh, take what we're saying the wrong way. First off, it is not good to live outside your means, period. Living outside your means, being in a negative position is not good. Get back into the black. Either pay off your debt or find some way to do that. But don't necessarily think that you have to pay your debt all the way down to zero, right? And we'll, that's a, a totally different discussion. That's why we offer up uh, an educational curriculum to help you understand exactly what the right process is. We don't want to kind of have you do it on your own. It's like putting a scalpel in your hands and thinking you're a surgeon and you know hoping that you're able to do brain surgery well because that's not going to happen. So it's the same thing with money. Um, so let's uh, let's kind of let's change directions for for a second and really really talk about um, one of the reasons why people get in debt. And then one of the ways maybe in which they can get out of debt and then start to invest, then to start understanding resources, right? So first off, obviously, having a budget is critical. Having a budget is the way in which you're able to monitor your progress. You're able to see where your money goes. You're able to see where your money comes from. If you're not analyzing this, if you're not quantifying, you know, you're going to be in a very rough position because basically people budget for a specific reason, or at least they are incentivized to budget for a specific reason, which is to get out of debt or be in a a better financial state. And I think that's the wrong motivation. 
Okay. First off, I think the right motivation to, to budget is for stewardship. Right? Everything as far as us creating income, the ability and the means that we have to produce income, whether it's at a wage job or whether it's commissions, that ability has been given to us. Whether you believe in the universe or believe in God, talents have been given us for us to produce. We are a steward over those talents. Us exchanging our abilities and our talents will produce income. If we don't if we're not able to monitor that and keep track of that, what makes you think you're going to be increased in your stewardship? What makes you think you're going to be increased in the amount of talents that you're blessed with? Because you're not able to handle the current talents that you have. Mm-hmm. One of the things is I think it's difficult sometimes for people is is that when is the last time that you balanced your checkbook and paid attention? It's really difficult, I know, even from personal experience, that makes me accountable to myself. Mm-hmm. And that can be most one of the most painful things that I go through in life yep. is being accountable to myself. Yep. And then once I understand what I know – Getting the self-discipline to get myself to the next level. Because what what makes you think if you're going to increase your stewardship when it comes to more income, more assets, getting out of the rat race, becoming financially free, if you don't have the stewardship first, you are not going to get to that level, period. You first need to be a steward over your current situation. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to have a budget. Budget can be very, very, very simple. You calculate where your money comes from and you calculate where your money goes. If you are in the red, you know something's wrong. (laughs) When you're in the negative, you know something's wrong. Then you're able to cut back, maybe do some coupons, maybe, you know, cut back. And I'm not trying to sound scarce, right? But we want you to get into a black state first, okay? First and foremost, budget. You're a steward over what you have. If you want to have your stewardship increased, you need to be accountable, as Kaysen said, okay? So that's the first thing. All right. Next is starting to understand what resources you have at your fingertips. What resources are currently available that you can start being the bank? The bank's resources, they have a big building. They have credibility. They have products. You go into a bank and they have their CDs, they have their savings accounts, they have their money markets. All these different products for them to get or for you to give them money. Okay? That's where it starts. What resources do you have right now so people are willing to give you money? Now, I don't want you to go to your brother or go to your mom or go to your sister or uncle or aunt or grandparents. I don't want you to start there. Okay? The bank is your greatest mentor and the bank is your greatest partner. Absolutely. Okay? Banks are willing to lend billions and billions and billions of dollars at very reasonable interest rates sometimes. So basically, you have to be a steward first for the bank, uh, so the bank's willing to lend you money. So let's start start to talk about some resources that you probably currently have that, if reallocated, can start buying new assets and creating cash flow positions for you. Okay, first resource is equity. Okay, so Casey, kind of get into that, and 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 let's talk about resource being an equity. Because I had mentioned before a little bit about equity. That equity is just a myth. Equity is just a concept. <laughs> All right, start to explain how equity could be a resource. Well, for instance, we understand that equity number one isn't liquid. When we, What that means is that we can't access it when we want to if it's just left in the resource. So if I have a house and it has some equity in it, I can't get it when I want it. Like let's say if I lose my job, I'm not going to be able to get it. So it needs to be extracted so I can pull that equity out and use it to maybe buy some other investments. Um, maybe I have equity in some stocks or maybe I have some equity in an annuity or some other vehicle. And so that equity really doesn't realize itself until it's actually extracted and put into utilization. Mm -hmm. Because if it just sits there, 
Well, it's not safe. We know that. I mean, we've already experienced that, what's going on in the market right now. Yep. People are, you know, they thought that their equity was safe, but then all of a sudden, oh, my home was valued at half a million, but now it's 330. <laughs> <laughs> well, where did it all go? Yeah. Poof, it disappeared. Equity is definitely not it's safe. It's not safe. Plus also, if it's not being used, you're not getting a rate of return on it either. And so you're not gaining anything from it at all. Mm-hmm. It's being unutilized. And yep. then the and then the fourth and final thing is is that well, if I have equity and it's just sitting there, do I get any positive tax consequences out of that? Nope. No, none whatsoever. Nope. And so it's so important to be able to utilize that resource, pull it out, put it into something else that's going to allow you to maybe be even in a safer position, mm-hmm. to have maybe better liquidity, so that when you do need the money. Let's say that if I lost my job and, you know, I had a house and my house payment was $2,000 a month and I lost my job. Well, if I have that equity off in a separate vehicle that's earning me interest, I could use some of that money to make my mortgage payment and I could avoid foreclosure. Great point. But if I leave it in the house, like I know that some people I've heard of in Las Vegas, they've left it in their house. And they're experiencing foreclosure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. So that's why that's why equity is a myth. Exactly. Right. Equity is a myth because equity or the value of your house, um, and equity is basically the value of your house minus the mortgage that you have on it or the liability that you have on it. Um, you know, it, it is not reality unless you've sold the house or have refinanced. And if you can't do one or the other, you don't really have equity. So equity could be a resource, but typically it would be a resource once it is displaced from the house. Then you need to convert or do an equity swap into a productive asset. We've, in case and you've acknowledged, equity is not productive. There's no output from equity, period. You need to do an equity swap, put it into another asset, and that asset needs to be productive. Now, you're probably asking, well, where do I put that money? Do I put it in a mutual fund or put it in a... <laughs> right? At the investor's paradigm, we walk you through different investment opportunities. We have a, a, a partner here, Marv Curtis, and uh, Marv has had an extensive amount of history when it comes to uh, different investment vehicles. And uh, so we have some real estate stuff, we have some hard money stuff, and you know we have a lot of awesome investments right now. And so basically that's going to be a conversation once you're educated, <laughs> right? All right, so then, so obviously reallocating that resource. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about another resource, okay? Another resource could be uh, your credit score. And, and obviously, I've had people come up to me and say, well, my credit score is 800. And I'm like, okay, so what is that 800 credit score doing for you? I mean, how are you, you, so what? You have an 800 credit score. That's great. Fantastic. But how can you utilize that credit score to produce more in your life? Possibly use that 800 credit score to purchase other assets. You know, utilize it. You know, find some opportunities where, you know, maybe, maybe someone needs to buy a house. But they don't have as good a credit, but they have some cash. So maybe they could put the down payment down on the house, but they need someone else to maybe help them carry the mortgage and get those additional tax write-off. Well, that's a great way possibly that you could use your credit scores, helping that other person out and creating value for them. They get to live in a house. You get to get some benefits tax-wise, and you're using your 800 credit score to create another resource or income in your life. Great point. So credit score, again, credit score is a function of your stewardship as well because it's a combination of the accounts that you hold and your past payment history, 
And so obviously a credit score is a great reflection on on what kind of stewardship you've held over you know the responsibilities that you've been given. So that's a, there's a lot of different ways in which we can reallocate credit scores, and it's it's going to pertain to all of the things that we do, especially when it comes to real estate. All right, so next thing, common resources available to you, insurability. So here at the Investors Paradigm, we uh, we focus on a resource that is a resource used by the wealthy. I was watching a, a video last night, and um, Susie Orman hates insurance. Right? She hates <laughs> yes, permanent yes. insurance like a passion. Same with uh, say with Dame, Dave Ramsey. Ramsey. So let's look at let's look at Susie Orman. Susie Orman works for CNBC, right? So NBC, right? And and NBC, there's there's some executives, and I, I'd I'd be willing to to place a bet that those executives. Mm, pretty well off, pretty wealthy, <laughs> right? So, uh, so the the video I was watching last night, the individual actually pulled SEC. The SEC stands for Securities and Exchange Commission, and they have to consider um, the executives of most publicly traded companies uh, as as public information. So he was going through that public information, and guess what? One of the vice presidents, not even the president of NBC, one of the vice presidents of NBC spends five hundred and six thousand dollars per year on life insurance premiums. Wow. So you look at Susie Orman and does she does she create value? She does. If she didn't, she wouldn't have books. She wouldn't have a TV show. So I think there's some very credible points you can take from her. But Susie Orman does not teach financial freedom and wealth building. Period. Okay? So uh so insurability, right? Insurability being healthy. Right, being able to qualify for insurance. There are several programs that, if you're over the age of 72 and in good health and have a, a very good net worth, Berkshire Hathaway, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, all these different financial institutions will actually pay you to get insurance on yourself. And they will buy the insurance from you and settle with you for a certain amount of money. Banks will lend you. They will finance the premiums on this insurance, believe it or not, if you're of a certain age, certain health, etc. So insurability could be huge. Okay. Um, last thing. Well, there's there's a lot of different resources. We can spend hours. Hours and hours. We only have about eight or nine minutes left. So let's kind of let's go into a, a business as a resource. Okay, so how can a business, whether it's a limited liability company or an S Corp, be a, be a resource to you? One of the things is is that when you've established the business, banks are willing to give you lines of credit and credit cards. Uh oh. Uh oh. Credit, credit cards. cards. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me ask you a question. So let's uh, let's kind of look at the, the areas of banking, which we talked about last time. The four areas of banking are unsecured investments. Banks invest billions of dollars in credit cards personal loans, lending that's not collateralized, higher interest higher interest rates, higher profit for them, obviously, but greater risk of loss because there's no collateral, okay? Then uh, they invest in secured investments. Secured investments are investments that have collateral, cars, uh, homes, land, machinery, inventory, etc. And then they have business lending. So there's uh, there's both secured business lending and unsecured business lending. Let's, let's talk a little bit about unsecured business lending. So when a bank is lending on a credit card, just a regular Visa or Capital One or you know American Express, whatever, when that when that institution or that entity is lending on a credit card, what do they know that the consumer or the individual is going to do with that money or that credit? They're going to use it for increasing the profitability of the business. Okay. <laughs> and also to establish 
you know, they're going to produce more in the economy, the business. Mm -hmm. They're also going to be able to provide greater services maybe with that business. Mm -hmm. And also, it's going to give the bank more money. That's right. <laughs> so do you think when a, when a bank's lending to a business, do you think they're going to give them more or less money than they would to a regular consumer? More. You more money. Absolutely more because obviously they know that a business needs more. Yep. And so they're more willing to give to a business than an individual. Because yep. they know when they're lending to an individual, that individual is going to buy clothes, go on right. a vacation, consume. And that consumption is not going to enhance their ability to repay. But when they lend to a business, they know that the business, well, it's not a guarantee, right? But they know that they're going to most likely use it to buy inventory, right. pay for marketing, pay for an employee, all of which is going to enhance their ability to repay that loan. So business or banks lend tons and tons of money to small businesses. Now, here's another cool thing is that when you have business credit underneath your limited liability company or S Corp, that credit does not appear on your personal credit report. Right. Hmm. Right? You can also use the interest and obviously consult your tax professional, but you can use a lot of that interest as a tax deduction, which uh, mitigates your tax liability. Okay, So here at the Investor's Paradigm, we also have some education into utilization of business credit and how to properly do that. Also, ways in which you can start a business. We have a great attorney um, and a great process called Strategic CFO that will teach you how to properly, uh, properly form and then properly manage a business. Okay. All right. So here, there's a couple of resources, right? Resources that you might have not thought of before and ways in which you can start to reallocate those resources into things that are productive are going to start creating cash flow for you. So again, let's kind of do a, let's kind of do a recap, okay. right? So basically today our focus has been on debunking debt. Okay. Debt, we can, we can look at debt from a lot of different perspectives, right? Is debt good or bad? Well, it depends. It depends on what debt's used for. Are we advocates of going into a lot of debt and living outside your means? Absolutely not. Whenever you see this negative this negative perspective when it comes to debt and getting into debt, it's not it's not based on the debt itself. It's based on what the debt is used for and then what the debt does to families, what the debt does to your balance sheet. Right? If you are living outside your means, debt is bad. If you're using debt to go on lavish vacations and, and you know obviously live outside your means, debt is bad. If you're using it to overconsume, overconsume, debt is bad. But debt can set you free. If you understand how banks understand debt, if you understand that debt could be used to invest, paying the debt back and then utilizing the profit to pay the debt down or utilizing that profit to become financially free, that could change your life. However, what determines what is done with debt is right between your ears. That is your knowledge, your education, and your discipline. That is why one of the first things that we said is be a steward over your money. Have a budget. Use budgeting software. Use Excel. Use Quicken. Use QuickBooks. Use Microsoft Money. Use whatever as long as you're keeping track of where you are financially. Once you have a grasp on that stewardship, guess what? You'll pre you'll be prepared for an increased stewardship, period. And then obviously meeting with a mentor, meeting with a coach, recognizing your resources, then you can start to reallocate those resources into investments that are productive. Investment properties, residential real estate, hard money, different types of markets, all of which the investor's paradigm has as investment products. So we, that's kind of what we wanted to go into today. We're, we're about a half an hour already. So Kaysen, kind of finalizing this, uh, this half hour in our podcast, what are maybe some main things you would want to get across to our listener base? One of the things is that we need to utilize our resources that we have. We need to discover what those resources are 
so that we can be able to maximize them and create prosperity in our lives and in everyone's lives that we possibly can. And so, again, just like Patrick said, is that debt is neither good nor bad. It's what you do with that debt that is going to determine your success. And so it's very important that you understand that what you're doing with the means that you have is going to determine your bottom line on your income and balance sheet. It's just that simple. And so it's, if you want to increase the number on your income and balance sheet and be in the black instead of the red, you need to know where you're going. You need to know where you're at so that you can get to where you want to go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure talking with you tonight. We've been talking, you've been listening, so I guess we're not talking with you, <laughs> talking at you. But uh, we, we, we would appreciate your feedback, appreciate some of your response to some of the content uh, that we've been talking about. Maybe some uh, some questions in regards to potential topics that we can discuss and giving more insight on those different topics. Uh, next week, we will get into unsecured investments. We'll talk about what makes an investment unsecured. We'll talk about some of the risks involved with an unsecured investment. We'll talk about why to invest in unsecured investments. And, uh, and what you do with the profit. So this is uh, this is Patrick Dono and Case and Joseph. We want to briefly give you some of our contact information in case you want to talk about certain topics directly. My phone number is 800-870-8905, extension 203. And my number is 1-800-870-8905, extension 285. And my, uh, my email address is info, so I-N-F-O, at theinvestorsparadigm.com and Kaysen, what's yours? And mine is Kaysen and Kaysen is spelled K-S-U-N at theinvestorsparadigm.com be more than uh, more than gracious to have you on our website. A lot of information and insight into our philosophy as a company. Please visit www.theinvestorsparadigm.com. Next week, we will be back. And Marv, the Sage Curtis, will be with us. He'll be talking All about right. unsecured investments, and we'll, we'll let you know how to get involved. Uh, let us know if you need anything. We hope you create a prosperous week.